On this episode, we talk about TH2, what the heck is going on with OneDrive, and a little bit about Redstone. All right, today is November 6th, and this is the Sam's Report. Yeah, it is. All right, let's get to, let's do this. So to get some of the just kind of overhead out of the way, if you've been on Throat.com lately, and hopefully you have, and hopefully you are right now, we are running on brand new servers. Uh, they're actually local hardware. We were running in AWS, and the performance and just the setup just wasn't right for what we were doing. It was a little bit overkill, and we could actually get better servers, work offline, have better redundancy if we just did everything in-house. So Throt is actually running now on local servers um, hosted in various places. And the good thing here is it's actually a magnitude of about 10 faster to first bit. If, you use, if you're familiar with um, Google's tools to measure how quickly you get to first bit, uh, it's about a magnitude of 10 faster, which is a good thing. So on the other side of Throt, a new theme is coming, actually, guys. Here, it's actually coming together. I'm looking at it right now. I don't want to share it yet, mostly because I don't want to take the thunder away from Tim, who has put in uh, an exceptional amount of work into this. And I don't want to like hype it up as some dramatic overhaul of the site. But at the same time, one of the things when I when I took this job, um, being the executive editor of Blue Whale Web, which is Petri and Throt, is I said we've got to change up the design. It's 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 bad. There's no other way to put it. And so the first uh, big change-ish that you will see should be coming soon. I don't want to lock into a date and be held accountable to it, but it's getting there. It's responsive, and it makes navigation on the site and just reading content much, much better. Um, it'll also deal with issues of people having trouble figuring out if Paul was writing, if I was writing. It'll make that a little bit more obvious. And it just kind of cleans things up and brings throughout.com we'll say into about the 2014 era of blogging. We'll eventually get into the super modern era. But yeah, it's good stuff. It's coming. And for those who are curious, it will also be coming over to the Petri side, but there's a little bit more nuances there because there's a lot more data and a lot more things to consider. Um, but Petri will also be updated with a very, very similar theme. Um, hopefully, I would like to say by the end of the year. But um, the Throt theme will definitely be updated well before the end of the year. So let's get started with uh, the week of Microsoft here. Um, you know, somebody's asking, yes, I am feeling much better. I was quite sick last week, very jet lagged and all that good stuff. But let's just talk about Microsoft because that's what we're all here for. And that's what we all like, right? So the Surface Book got a new firmware. Uh, the November firmware is what it got. And it fixes some of the biggest issues Specifically, it fixes the issue where the screen was flickering. If you have a Surface Book or if you've ever seen one, you could not miss this issue. And the screen would just, as the name implies, or the bug implied, or whatever you want to call it, it would flicker just frequently, and it would drive a lot of people nuts. And for somebody who paid, at minimum, 1500 bucks for a laptop, it wasn't really acceptable. So at least it looks like Microsoft prioritized, got that fixed, pushed it out. And they also did some other improvements, too. Uh, to help the, the reliability of the keyboard. Um, the base here is so, when you look at the base of the service book here, it's, I mean, it's it's a separate device. And so they updated the firmware here, which is good. And once I got it working, it was fine. But the issue I had was after I loaded the firmware, it, for whatever reason, the driver for the trackpad 
got turned off. It was just off. I don't I, like if you were on Twitter last night or whatever, you uh, the the uh, gestures stopped working. And I was like, what the heck is going on here? And I was trying to figure, tried everything. And then I just realized the driver was actually, it was still installed, just turned off. So if, you're, if your stuff stops working, um, make sure the driver is <laughs> turned on because apparently that is possibly a known issue or I don't know, whatever. But um, the driver did come out. It has approved some of the stability. It's There's still some issues I have with mine. Um, for example, the Windows Hello camera doesn't always work. I mean, it works, but you open the lid and it'll just say it can't find you. It just searches and searches and searches where it says it's turning on and never truly turns on. Generally, a restart will fix that, which is kind of what people who use the Surface Book have come to know. Just restart it and, and things will be fixed again. But the firmware is out. Make sure you download it if it didn't already download because it does tend to improve things quite a bit and has made my machine a little bit more stable. So it's good, good update. Good job, Microsoft. Push out about five more updates, and then this thing will be super ready. And I'm not trying to dog on the, the service book here. It's great hardware, phenomenal hardware, but the software is a bit behind. So um, it's getting there. Windows 10 is getting there, and life is good from the Surface Book hood, <laughs> uh, if you want to call it that. So that was the firmware update. Something else that came out, got sent some screenshots, and apparently this has been out for a little bit, but just in super private testing. I mean, I knew it existed. It was It's called Bing Distill. Distill, like D-I-S-T-I-L-L. Um, it had been out. I, I originally wrote about it back when I was over at Neowin because I got an insider tip about what Microsoft was doing, and then they came out very publicly, well, not publicly, opened up signups for Bing Distill, and then... Uh, it just kind of like whatever, nothing really happened. So I got sent some screenshots of it. Apparently some more people are using it as well. But what it is, it's essentially like Yahoo Answers. So if you ask a specific query, um, Google or Google or Bing may not always be able to pull the right answer just because it's complex and they use machine learning and it, they do generally a good job, but sometimes there's just answers that don't make sense. And so what Microsoft is doing is proposing these questions and getting human answers. It's almost kind of like a mechanical Turk, if you're familiar with that application or that process um, type tooling, where you can respond to an answer and uh, or as you respond to a question and try to help essentially make Bing better. Now, what I didn't see in the screenshots is that Microsoft initially was toying with the idea of giving Microsoft or Bing rewards as part of your I don't know, incentive to want to answer these questions or voting on answers that have already been submitted because it's essentially like a polling. Somebody writes an answer, but you need to make sure it's good. So they go and again, go to the community and say, hey, which of these answers is right? And you know, you vote up, vote down and try to get the right answer. So when somebody says, how many, how many Grammys were won last year? Uh, you can get the right answer through this process. So those invites are going out. Um, it seems like they open the flood gets a little bit more because uh, quite a few people have now responded that they are involved in the program. So that's Bing Distill. It is now out. If you have an invite or whatever, uh, don't be surprised if you see, I should say if you register, don't be surprised to see if you see that stuff show up because Microsoft is now moving on. Other thing that Microsoft opened up this week is Cortana on iOS. But they opened it up, but they haven't really said what the process is here. So essentially what they're doing is they say, hey, do you want to try Cortana on iOS? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And uh, I wrote it up on Threat, and um, I, I was, I think, the first person to grab it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. And uh, 
put it out there and you have to fill out an application, very simple questions like, do you use Windows? Do you use iOS? How often do you use Cortana? How often do you use Siri type things? And so you answer these questions, it gets you put into an app applicant pool, and then they will select from this applicant pool who gets to try it. Now, they did the same process with Android, and that's how it initially leaked. So I would not be surprised if we actually see the iOS app leap leak in the same fashion. But for now, I don't know anybody who's currently using it, but um, it is coming. They are making significant and steady progress, and they are, I believe, roughly within their timeline of saying when it would arrive. I think it might be a little bit later than they initially announced, but it is coming. This is our first sign that they're getting on the, uh, the cusp of actually releasing it for iOS. So you got to keep in mind, too, um, first off, this is the first release, so it's not going to have all the bang bells and whistles. And the second thing to consider is that this is not Android. They can't just tap into everything. They, they won't be able to replace Siri with Cortana. Um, if they can, that's clearly a bug, and then Apple will patch it. So it's going to be a more limited version. But what I do wonder is actually how far they can take this stuff. Because, for example, I use their Outlook app. I use OneDrive. I use um, just about every other. I use Skype. Um, I use the calendar within the Outlook app. So Microsoft, through their back end, because I'm using all their services, actually has all the information it needs to make Cortana be proactive and all the other goodness that uh, you would expect. And the other thing is, too, is if they can stream it from your PC, I mean, they know which account you have in your PC because you're going to have to log in with your, um, your Microsoft account. They should be able to pull that content from your PC as well and push it through the app. So a lot of people were thinking this is going to be like just a really neutered version of Cortana. But I think if they're smart and they did it correctly, I mean, it, it will be relatively full feature. It won't be as good as the Android app. And clearly, it will not be as good as what Cortana is on the desktop or on uh, Windows Phone or Windows 10 Mobile. But I still think that they can do some pretty neat stuff here and actually drive some value out of the application. So I'm really curious to see what they've actually been able to do. So. We have to wait on that, but it's coming. Another big announcement today, or this week, out of Microsoft. And not everyone probably listening thinks this is a huge announcement, but anybody in the enterprise sector, and I'll explain why it's really big for me, um, Red Hat Enterprise Software Services can now run on Azure. So the, the super high level why this is important is Microsoft's taken another step into the open source world and the Linux world and brought it to Azure. The other reason this is really important for Microsoft, Red Hat is huge. Red Hat is the brand name of Linux that most people think of. Um, it, it's it's just a really good version of um, a distro of, of Linux. And actually, I got my start playing around with Red Hat Linux 5.0. And I was looking for my poster. I have a poster somewhere. It says, hello, your new friend is Linux. Um, but I can't find it. I mean, I, I got that thing, I think, when I was like 12 years old or something. Um, but yeah, so Red Hat now running on Azure. If that sounds good to you, um, yeah, go play with it. it. This is good for Microsoft Azure, for Microsoft's Azure platform. It's good for investors will probably love this because Microsoft has already shown strong growth in the cloud. Bringing Azure or Red Hat to Azure is only going to help boost that adoption. And anybody who's running Red Hat enterprise distros out there um, can now move to the public cloud. And Red Hat will support you. And Microsoft is also providing support too. So that's Red Hat on Azure. Oh, let me grab a drink here. 
Another thing that Microsoft announced today, which I got a real laugh out of, Paul is a bit more optimistic, which is usually the, the opposite. <laughs> Paul is more pessimistic and I'm more optimistic about some of these announcements. Is that Microsoft announced a Skype share button, much like a Twitter or Facebook share button um, that you can embed on your website or content. Great, it's great. Um, good job, Skype. You launched something that didn't crash my version of Skype. That's you know a bonus compared to some of the other things they've released. <laughs> but what I find so funny about some of this is that like Skype is not a social network. It's a social communication tool, but it's not like you can just share a link onto Skype. And then it, well, I guess if you're in a group, maybe it goes to quite a few people. But you can also currently just copy the URL and paste it in. Um, I, I need to maybe learn more about why this is so awesome that people were like excited about this, but it's just another social share button um, onto a network that you likely have limited or fewer people than, than say Facebook or Twitter. But whatever, Microsoft, maybe maybe this is a hint about what Microsoft wants to do with Skype. They Another thing they announced recently was how to create, um, and I, I've always wanted to try this with a podcast actually. With Skype, you can just invite people into a video chat a one-way video chat, I believe, without actually having a Skype account. You just send them a link and bam, they jump in. So maybe this is all part of this conversation that they're gonna turn Skype into more of a social platform than purely a messaging platform like we have known in messaging and phone and you know what a video chat communication tool that we have come to know. So maybe that's where they're going and that's why this is an important thing and they wanna get it out ahead of the curve. And so they'll announce this and then whatever these social features are coming. And then, um, yeah. So we'll go with that. That's whatever. There's some good stuff coming up here um, that the OneDrive stuff I'm really excited to talk about. So Windows, that's why I'm running through some of this stuff quickly here. As somebody said, yeah, you're going quick. Well, I, I generally talk fast. That's just how I am. Something to keep aware of. Um, this is going to be the last holiday season that you can order a new Windows 7 machine. Microsoft announced earlier this week that OEM's last day to sell Windows 7 machines is October 31st. So what this means is that on October 31st, that's the last day that OEMs can provision new machines with new Windows 7 licenses. November 1st, that goes away. Which, if you think about it, which means this is the last Christmas season that you can go to Dell.com and buy a new machine with a Windows 7 license. Now, it doesn't mean on October 31st is the end date of Windows 7 sales. What that means is that after that date, they can't issue new licenses. So they'll be able to sell through their back stock, which means potentially in the month of October, these guys might be ramping up significant amount of laptops and whatnot for Windows 7, for the enterprise world. But the interesting thing is, so it's October 31st, 2016, but I believe the last day that they can make Windows 8 machines with uh, a provision in Windows 8 machine is actually, I think it's June 30th, 2016, which is kind of funny that they ended Windows 8 um, new hardware sales before Windows 7, but that's because we all know the story of Windows 8 and how it was adopted by everybody. So there you go. If you want a new Windows 7 machine, just keep that date in mind. Microsoft is clearly pushing everybody towards Windows 10, rightfully so. It's up around um, almost 8%, I believe, for the month of October. So it is climbing, um, but... Yeah, they're getting ready to do actually do another large second push of Windows 10 here, which we'll talk about in a second. So Microsoft this week 
Gabe pressed the red button. He pressed it. Yeah, he did. He pressed the Windows 10 red button and pushed out build 10586. And is it 586? Yeah, it's 586. And he pushed this build out. And what this is, is this is going to be the TH2 release or Threshold Wave 2. Um, pretty much the refresh for Windows 10 for the fall. Now, what's included in this build is everything that's been in the insider releases up to pretty much yesterday. Um, if you noticed with the release that went out this week, that there were no new features. It was all purely bug fix. There was all bug fixes. There was no watermark. Nothing. It was. It just looks like Windows 10 RTM if you didn't know any different. And that's the point. They're going to push this release out to everybody running Windows 10, which means well, the last number I heard is around 120 million. 120 million people are then going to be upgraded to this um, modern, more, I don't want to say modern, um, but updated version of Windows 10. So that's coming. It is coming out. I believe the same version is coming out for Windows Phone and for the Xbox One. Which kind of brings me to the point of Microsoft here is gearing up for their second major push of Windows 10. So at the end of this month, let's just ballparking it here because we still don't know the full timeline of release for um, Windows 10 Mobile. But we'll say by the end of the month, not only is Windows 10 going to be running on the desktop or the PC, but it's going to be running on phone and it's going to be running on the Xbox, which kind of completes their initial. And there's also Windows 10 IoT as well. But this really just kind of completes their vision of having Windows 10 core, the core of Windows 10, running on everything. And that's what we're going to finally get here at the end of the month. And so that's a big push for the company. That's going to be a big milestone for them to say, OK, all of our major platforms now running Windows 10 and their various iterations. But it's one core running everything. So that's a big deal. That really is. I mean, that's years of work to get everything up to speed to be able to do that. So don't take this lightly that when Microsoft executes this later this month, it's a big deal. There's going to be a lot of celebration, I think, internally, because they're going to be so happy that, hey, we did it. We did. And they're really the first to do it, too. So good job, Microsoft. You're getting there. There's still some questions about the stability and quality of the Windows 10 mobile release, but in the terms of user impact, to be honest, that's much lower on the scale than, let's say, the desktop. Uh, I'd even actually put it much lower than, say, the Xbox One, which, which is right behind me. Reason why I would say that is for most people running Windows Phone, it, I, I actually wonder if there's fewer people running Windows. No, there's probably more people running Windows Phone. Um, at least they've sold more Windows Phones than they've sold Xbox consoles. But if your phone breaks, it's a little bit easier to fix, right? You just plug it into, um, you just plug it in and do the reflash, and you're right back. It's quite simple. They have a good Microsoft phone recovery tool. Not so easy with the Xbox One. So if they screw up the Xbox One launch or release, then it really impacts people, and then they're really kind of stuck and whatnot. I'm running it on my console here, um, no issues. But, you know, that's life. So Windows 10 coming to everything this month, 10586. Looks like it's going to be the release. Um, it doesn't look like it really should be. So, um, oh, somebody asked about when is the release date for the Lumia 950. So this, there were some, I don't even want to call them rumors, but there was some information that came out um, actually late yesterday from an AT&T rep who said, hey, you'll be able to order the 950 starting tomorrow. Um, big deal, right? Because a lot of people want this phone, myself included. 
but I don't I don't think that's accurate. I think that is actually an old date. Um, I, I did ask Microsoft and they're trying to dig around to figure out what is going on, but I don't believe that today is the day. Now I could be wrong and that they could open it up. Reason why I say that is Microsoft or Microsoft, AT&T actually announced the Surface 3 with LTE. It was like three or four days before Microsoft did um, the availability of it. So they really kind of screwed up there. So it wouldn't surprise me if AT&T screws up here again it wouldn't be unprecedented, but I don't believe that it's launching today. I think people were getting excited that they could actually go and buy the phone. Um, that is not my understanding uh, at this time about what is happening with that phone. Sorry to dash anybody's dreams, but that's just the reality of it. I think there was a placeholder date of originally November uh, 6th today that it would go on sale, but I don't believe that's accurate. accurate. So there you go. Sorry to deliver, I don't want to call it bad news, just the news. It's just the way it is. So OneDrive had a really rough week this week. And um, I know Mary Jo got a little bit of this information. I heard from some actual insiders here story of about what happened. So let's take a step back into the OneDrive time machine. And what happened was Microsoft announced that they would give unlimited storage to Office 365 users. So ignoring the Office 365 component for roughly 70 bucks a year, you could have unlimited, unlimited cloud storage. And no, the, the math never worked out. And so what happened was is that people, Dr. Pizza or Peter Bright, good friend of mine, wrote a really good headline. He says, Microsoft got mad that people used the unlimited storage for unlimited storage. And they were putting up just gigs upon gigs of stuff into the cloud, which they were allowed to do. And then Microsoft kind of said, Microsoft came out with this excuse that, hey, these bad apples are ruining for everybody. We're rescinding our offer of the unlimited storage and away it goes. So that's the story. That's not really what happened. I mean, it, it's a component of the story, but the person who made the call to say OneDrive gets unlimited storage for Office 365 users um, is no longer, I don't, he's no longer in his role that announced that. Um, he's no longer in that role. I don't even know if he's still with the company actually, but the person who made that call is no longer in that role to make those decisions anymore. And you can probably guess why, because the company backtracked. And so they had OneDrive being unlimited storage. People were putting stuff up there. But the problem is, is when you put stuff up on the cloud, you, you don't just put it up in the cloud, right? Microsoft has to not only store it, but they have to replicate it too, right? Because if a hard drive fails and they lose your data, they can't just say, ah, you know what, sorry, we lost your data in the cloud. Um, my bad or our bad. That doesn't really fly. So they have to take, let's just say, um, the 70 gigs that somebody was uploading um, or sorry, 70 terabytes, 70 gigs won't be that bad. 70 terabytes is what somebody had up there. And so they have to replicate that 70 terabytes um, to at least 140 terabytes, if not up to, you know, like over 200 terabytes. Um, so they have three, you know, proper replication on three, two different data centers, one local replication and one offsite replication. And so this becomes expensive very, very quickly. And what I had heard is that once they they made this decision. The guy who was kind of in charge of it, they said, ah, no, you're gone. And then OneDrive was just kind of like on this autopilot. And the cost for maintaining this and all of the storage was just 
climbing at a rate that was unsustainable. Um, it was unsustainable to future growth of the platform. Um, I was also told that OneDrive was not a leading indicator of getting more people to use Microsoft services. So when you look at it on paper, what Microsoft had was a service, a free service that was climbing at an exponential rate of cost. People who are abusing, even though they're in the minority, they could have just hacked them off and said, you know what, you're done. We're not going to do this anymore. But they have exponential growth in cost. They have a service that is not driving adoption of other Microsoft technologies. And it's free for the user, for the most part. I mean, the 15 gigabyte is free. Um, the one terabyte, you know, is pay, but it, it works if you just don't factor it in, it is free if you're just only going for Office 365. And so it, I was told that the word came down from the very top, all the way up from Nadella and from Amy. And they said, hey, we have to cut this. This is an, a growing expense that we cannot contain. And so this is where it went downhill. It's fine. I, I understand the realities of business that Microsoft said, okay, we need to make a business adjustment because this service is going to wreck us financially in the long term, and we need to do something to head it off. Fine, I understand that. What I don't get is the way that they went about it. They published a blog post that was at um, 10, I think it was like 10 p.m. my time. So it was about 7 p.m. Eastern or uh, Pacific time. It was just this nonchalant blog post on a site that ironically crashed, I think, under the load of traffic that says, hey, uh, we're just going to limit Office 365 to one terabyte. And the yeah, remember those 15 gigabyte free accounts? Yeah, we're going to do away with those. And I think they dropped it down to five gigabytes. And effectively, what they did was made their service, their free service, worse than Google's Drive. And it was it's on par with many other, I mean, it's on par with roughly Dropbox, but I think Apple's might even be slightly better. But it was just a really bad announcement. In, in my roughly 10 years of covering Microsoft, this might be one of the worst ways they've announced a feature reduction across anything. Like this, because everybody who has an Office 365 account, and mind you, this is a serious revenue driver for the company, Office 365. Don't even think about OneDrive. And they came online at a very odd time and said, hey, you know what, guys? We have um, unlimited storage here, but we're just going to change your Office 365 account. And don't worry about it. We're just going to change the terms and services of what we're doing. And so every, and there's like, what they say, like 12 million people subscribing to Office 365 or something. Don't quote me on that number. And all these people found out through not the first party blog post because the site crashed through third party sites who have a, granted myself included, who had a very negative opinion of this, that their service was changing right before them. So there you go. OneDrive, a colossal mess up with the announcement. They could have done this many other ways. And for people who are curious, so after this announcement went live, essentially what they're doing is they're turning everything that's over one terabyte into read-only access. I believe it's for 12 months. And you, it, you have 12 months, essentially, to figure out what you're going to do with your data if you're over that one terabyte amount. And um, for the free service, I think it was nine months. And then it said, after nine months, we reserve the right to just delete it. I don't know what if that deletion is OK for the paid tier. But um, yeah, so essentially you can, and then it's for like one or two or three bucks a month. Um, 
you can buy more storage and whatnot. But this is Microsoft's attempt to wrangle in the cost of OneDrive. And it's really, it's just pathetic is the only word I can think of, of how they went about announcing this and how they went about explaining it. And, and here's what's going to happen. It, it, they're going to do the same thing they did with Windows 10, the pirate or the listening stuff. It's like, so everyone's going to come out and be like complaining, which is what's happening right now. And then like three months from now, they'll come out with an explanation and then rekindle those fires because that's a very Microsoft thing to do. Um, and they've done it before. But that's OneDrive. It, it's kind of frustrating. Um, I get it. I get it. what they're doing. And I almost wonder if they thought when they made this initial announcement that everybody was going to make this unlimited option. And they thought, hey, we're going to get out there first. And we're going to be the leaders. And everyone's going to say they're copying me. But they didn't really think about the long-term ramifications of offering this. And when Google and Dropbox and everybody else said, hey, 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 we're not going to do this. Um, yeah, that's the issue. And the other thing that really kind of perturbs me about this is so Microsoft for the time being has always said that Windows 10 updates are going to be free. They also said you get unlimited storage on OneDrive. Um, it just kind of opens that nuance in the back of your mind that says, okay, Microsoft has said a lot of things. What are they just randomly going to change their mind on? Are they all going to get us? I don't think they're going to screw with Windows. I really don't. But I'm just hypothesizing here because we all didn't think they would renege on the uh OneDrive offer either. But what if all of a sudden Windows 10.1 is a $20 upgrade or something? And I don't quote that. That's just high, you know thinking out loud. But this is the kind of world that Microsoft has now opened by just randomly changing the stuff without clear and proper guidance from the company. So Microsoft, get your craft together and don't ever do that again. It was very poorly executed. So a lot of the... A lot of OneDrive bashing is going on. Um, I still use the service. I don't think too many people are actually leaving. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if some do, if some just lose confidence in Microsoft, which is their biggest issue with this. But um, yeah, so that's what's going on. And now to the fun stuff. And there's not still not a lot here, but the things are starting to come together. Redstone. So now that TH2 is effectively done, uh, Microsoft has been working on Redstone for a little bit now. They've been working on it for at least a month or two, um, at least that long. And I'm starting to get a better kind of picture of what's going on inside with this release. So I'm not quite ready to call it that Microsoft is going moving to a tick and talk release. If you're not familiar, that's what Intel does. Intel does a tick and talk where tick is a big update and talk is a revision. Uh, but it kind of seems like that's what Microsoft is doing here. It seems like the Redstone 1 update is going to be a little bit larger than, say, what TH2 was. Um, they're going to be fo focusing a lot on scenarios and making scenarios improved. Um, they're going to be focusing on continuity. <laughs> continuity, I can never say that word, which it, with universal apps. I don't know. So this is still on the drawing board, but the idea is with a universal app, if you're using it on your phone and you go to your PC, you can just pick up on the PC where you left off. So they are trying to figure out how they're going to make that happen. And that is definitely on the agenda per my sources are um, saying, hey, that's somewhere in the, uh, the docket for a feature for the OS. Now, granted, we are many, many months away from the actual release. So many things could change. Um, other changes that are coming are some more cosmetic updates. The file picker 
um, and I believe File Manager are going to get some visual improvements. I've already started to see some of this come together. And there's also new icons already showing up in Device Manager. And now you're going to say, hey, we've already seen some new ones. No, there's more additional new icons in Device Manager uh, that have started to show up. So those are a couple things. And what it's really looking like is like Redstone's going to be a pretty big change. I mean, that's going to be roughly a year after Microsoft kind of finalized what Windows 10 RTM would be. And so now we're moving into the Redstone 1, which is still scheduled for a spring update. Now, um, and Ryan Spooner just asked, and he was right on cue with where I was at. How long do you think it'll be until insiders get a build from the Redstone branch? Um, I think it's going to be sooner than many people think. So it may not, it, like, it's not going to be next. I, I would, do not think it's going to be next week or anything. I mean, there, there is an RS1 branch that is actively being populated. But what I want to clarify here is that in the month of December at Microsoft, generally what they do is focus more on internal tools and fixing and whatnot. They kind of go into a maintenance mode. At least this is how it was historically. We'll see if this continues. But for the month of December, they fit, they work on features for their provisioning tools. They fix bugs in their provisioning tools. And it's just kind of, OK, like they look back at their own processes and say, what software in the, in internally needs to be updated? And they do this during the month of December, because generally a lot of people take vacation. You have the holidays going on. And it's harder to get big projects moving when half the team is on vacation or, you know, that Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever your religious holiday is, is coming. So the month of December, I wonder if we will get a build of Redstone in the month of December. It would, I don't want to say it would surprise me, but generally speaking, that's a slower month for the company. And it's, it's from a blogging perspective, it's always the slowest month of the year, followed by a massive ramp up in January because of CES. So keep that in mind about what Microsoft is doing in December. But hey, Gabe is running a new role now, um, and he can push one out whenever they want. I mean, there's nothing that really stops them unless they want to announce the features. But it almost seems like the way that they've been rolling with the Insider program, it's like, hey, if we're just going to push this stuff out, there's going to be an announcement at the post. And if the independent team wants to announce a feature, there you go. But that is Redstone. It is, it's going to be one of those things we're going to be talking about for a very long time because Microsoft is not talking publicly. I don't think they've ever even mentioned the name publicly, although they will laugh because they know that's the right name. But it's going to be one of those things. It's just going to be like every other Windows kind of update where it's going to just chip away at what we hear is coming. Um, I think there's going to be some more scenario-related things around file storage is what I was told. Maybe this is has to do with updates to file manager. But um, yeah, Redstone should be a, it will be a larger release than what is TH2, Redstone 1, I should say. And then there is also Redstone 2, but they're not even, I suspect Redstone 2 would be kind of like the scraps that get left over, much like what TH2 was to Windows 10. Um, the scraps that don't make it into the first release get pushed into the second, um, including, <laughs> if edge extensions do not come with Redstone 1, that's when you flip the table, right? So that's another feature that should be there because we all expected it this fall. But here we are without edge extensions. So I'm trying to think of what else. I'm really excited for you guys to see the update to Throt. Um, the, I'm yeah, I'm looking. I have both websites open right now because I was helping our developer tweak a few things. And it's... It's so much better. It's 
because right now it's just contents. It's content vomit everywhere. Um, so I think that's about it, guys. I don't like to run these things any longer. I like to keep them content and feature packed. If you have any questions, oh, speaking of which, I'm playing Halo 5, by the way. If you like to play Halo 5, I would love people to play with. Um, my gamer tag is the exact same as my Twitter handle. It's BDSAMS, no surprise. So playing a lot of Halo 5, especially during the day, if you ever want to jump on, shoot me a message. Always looking for teammates. And there we go. So today is November, what is today, November 6th? Yes, and this has been the Sam's Report. Thanks for watching, and have a good weekend, everybody.